0: watching any of the NBA playoffs? No. None?
1: That's a short answer. No.
0: I. Everybody that knows me is floored that I led with a sports question. That's how desperate I am for entertainment during coronavirus. I've been watching basketball. Well, it could be very good, uh,
1: but no, I have not. I've been doing a lot of reading. I've been doing that as
0: well. Um, well, the reason I asked you, I was going to, have you seen any of the footage from the playoffs where they have like the the virtual screens around the whole court and then people are watching from home, but their webcams, I did see one of those. Yes. So I think we should do that for church where the, we could fill in the gaps in the church with the people that are watching at home. But they, not just photographs of them, but actual, no, like it's their actual, like they're sitting at home and you can see, especially kids when they get on TV, when the camera shows them, they react in a great way. And you can see them mouthing, So, am so on really, So
1: to tell the truth, you're really not watching basketball. No. You're watching the technology of it.
0: And the truth is, and maybe somebody that is a basketball, like a real basketball fan can help me out here, I only really care about the last five minutes of the fourth quarter. The, fir- the rest of the game to me is pointless. Actually, I think they should just play for five minutes. <laughs> and that's the most exciting
1: part. You know, I, I used that as an analogy for Holy Week a couple of years ago. Oh, I said, "What you know, everybody knows that in basketball, the last quarter, yeah. or like I was talking about the NCAA, the last quarter is really important. Sure. But if you're a real fan, you, you watch the first, second, and third quarters. Are you calling me not a real fan? So so for Holy Week, you don't <laughs> just come in for Easter. Sure. You're there for Palm Sunday, Holy Thursday, Good Friday. I, all right. You convinced me. That was good. Is that good? Let's just end right there. No, let's let's talk about uh, what's happening at the church right now.
0: Well, we just wrapped up our summer mini-retreats last week, so if you missed any of those, or maybe you missed all of them, they're still up at 23.church. Uh, six different, uh, se- uh, what's the word I want? Retreats.
1: <laughs> six different retreats, each one three parts, and each part is about five to eight minutes long, except for? <laughs> oh, no. Except for?
0: Okay, so my videos went a little long.
1: It was such a nice day. I was just outside. Well, the the people out there need to know this, that <laughs> you you gave me uh, a little bit of criticism in our uh, podcast a week or two ago about a long homily. I, I did. And then it was right after that that you did your retreat, and we had said they would be five to eight minutes We did. Long. And your very first one, you walked into the office that morning, Monday morning.
0: So the the video came out at 7 a.m. Monday morning. I got in about 8.45, and there was already a Post-it note on my office that had 10 minutes, 55 seconds written on it. And that's all it said. And I knew immediately Father Herb was calling me out for the length of my video. But this (laughs) this was on the heels of I sent you an article. In one of the dioceses here in America, the bishop has told the priests, a homily should not be any longer than five minutes during
1: because of COVID, because you don't want to keep people housed in a building longer than necessary. Sure. So I, so I forwarded this email to father Herb and I said, great
0: wisdom over here. I said, longer than five minutes, you get put in the penalty box.
1: Well, actually what he did was he threatened to take their, their faculty away, which is the permission to be allowed to preach. Even though you are ordained, yeah, you still have to have faculties in any diocese. And We're, preaching is one of the faculties. Well I'm glad that you have the faculty but to but preach. the the other thing though is then you threatened just like at the uh, academy <laughs> awards to to start playing music you know when somebody's thank you when they go too long thank you uh note goes too long we'll they, just they uh, play them out we'll
0: play them out <laughs> so this is really what we talk about when we're not doing anything life folks. life is
1: tough around here okay so so the retreats, <laughs> the uh, retreats are still are around ended. they're still available and they are good if you have 10 minutes and 55 seconds at a, at a clip
0: please yes uh all different themes you can find those over at 23.church now, no, we don't want to focus just on what we did in the past, but we are moving forward this fall. You know, as a team, we've been meeting to talk about how do we still operate a large parish, a, an active parish, uh, an engaged parish, uh, and still like dive deeper into our faith this year and still grow as community. And we've been talking a lot about that as a pastoral team. And that's where our new faith formation program, 23 Home, was born. And uh, just a an itty bitty baby, just so cute. It,
1: it, it's really, really exciting because it has several components. It's not just uh, homeschool. There's a lot of materials, activities, play, pray, uh, learning, all different levels provided for the for the households That's every true. week. In addition, there are some larger gatherings, and there's some. Outreach process, uh, possibilities. Uh, it's its kind of a complete package where it's going to take work and it's going to take some commitment on the families. Yeah, And that's what I wrote in this coming Sunday's bulletin. The pastor's note is about what I call. No, I'm sorry. I w- I'm already working for uh, September 13th. I'm talking about it. So ahead. I'm talking about good routine.
0: Well, and I, I think for the majority of families, and I would put my family into this category, Sometimes just the busyness of life gets in the way and it's not, it's not a desire to spend time to spiritually grow as a family. It's just, you don't know how to fit that you in. You mean not a lack of desire? Correct. Is that not what I said? I don't know what you said. Okay. Well, you, you I'm going to just talk for 10 minutes and 55.
1: Seconds. Okay. We're going to go on now. Okay. But I, I didn't finish. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> I, I thought, I thought that <laughs> was we finished.
0: Well, What I was trying to say was this is the opportunity I think to say at the beginning of the fall. We want to make this a priority. We're going to carve out, you know, this day and time to make it happen. And then as a church, we're going to give you the resources to be able to do that as a family, um, as a household, to really grow. And, you know, we're using the tagline that holiness starts at home. It's this whole image of domestic church that our larger parish community will be stronger when our homes are stronger spiritually. Uh, And since we can't be together like we normally would this year, we see this as a great way to capitalize on What we need to do to continue to grow so you can sign up for 23 home over at 23 dot church We like the number 23 around here, by the way, you're listening to the 23 23 podcast, podcast. So
1: anyway, okay, that was it how I'm many done. minutes left of our 23 minutes about 10 minutes and 55 seconds. Okay <laughs> just the, the length of your mini homily, okay <laughs> uh, <laughs> This week is very challenging The 23rd Sunday, Ordinary Time, Cycle A. Before we read Matthew, I want to read a little bit of Ezekiel because it sets the tone. First reading. Often the first reading and the gospel have a a common theme. So Ezekiel has the role of a prophet. So the Lord speaks to the prophet and says, you son of man, now Mm -hmm. son of man there without capital letters, is not the same as when they refer to Jesus as son of man with capital letters.
0: Which that would be confusing for those of you that aren't looking uh, at the passage. Exactly.
1: You son of man, I have appointed watchman for the house of Israel. So in other words, saying to you as a, to, to Ezekiel as a, as a prophet, I've given you a job. When you hear me say anything, you shall warn them for me. If I tell the wicked, quote, O wicked one, you shall surely die. Close quote. And you do not speak out to dissuade the wicked from his ways. The wicked shall die for his guilt. But I will hold you responsible for his death. But if you warn the wicked, trying to turn him away from his way, and he refuses to turn his way, he shall die for his guilt, but you shall save yourself. In other words, it's very challenging for the prophet to be told, okay, you've got to do your job. Because you are now going to be held accountable for the behavior of the person uh, in your your care. Mm -hmm. If you do not speak out, shame on you. If you do speak out, but they do not listen, shame on them. Okay. And I hear that not just as a prophet, but I hear that as a pastor.
0: I think I heard this when I was trying to tell you your homily was too long. That's right. <laughs> so you were doing me a favor. And, I, I and think so.
1: in the long run doing everybody else a favor too. You're welcome, everyone. I always used to tell the newly ordained priests that were with me, it I always used to say, It's not how long you preach. Sure. It's how long it seems. Right. That is very true. And by the way, I've heard some homilies that are go on endlessly and endlessly and they're just really tedious. And I look at my watch and it's been four minutes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what do you see though? Because I think some people would use this as an excuse to, um, what's the word I want, to give, let's go back to what you said earlier when you were joking, you know, give mini homilies or to, to be preachy to people uh, and judgmental towards people because they think that they're doing them a favor by yeah. telling them their opinion. Well, in
1: fact, people even say this, uh, Michael, I need to tell you this, but it's for your own good. You need to know that. You're going to thank me for this. Yeah. Yeah. That, that you're... Your your ensemble of clothes does not match, or whatever it is. I'm not talking. I, about I was looking personal. Did I ever tell you that story? Somebody told you 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 <laughs> wore
0: the wrong clothes. Very. I'll make it very quick. So I was in my conducting two class in college, and I was still living on campus at the time. And if you remember anything about college life, uh, you just wear whatever you have when you start running out of clean clothes. And that day, I also had a presentation I had to give in another course, so I had to put on like a decent pair of pants and a shirt. Well, they didn't really match all that, that well, but I didn't really care. And so I got to my conducting class and I got done conducting a piece of music and the professor uh, said nothing about my conducting. She just said, your clothes don't look good together today. (laughs) And that was her only critique. And I thought, I don't know how to take that, but it still sticks with me. That was a criteria that I used in hiring you 15 (laughs) years ago. See, priests have it good you just have to wear black and it It, always matches
1: not all blacks are the same
0: well that is true you some may Uh, be more faded than
1: others well even if a, a suit coat and trousers if they're not actually the same suit oh sure they different shades of black or i you know you if you look at it in the light you can tell but then we cover everything up with vestments. But let's go to the gospel. So keeping that in mind, what Ezekiel said, would you like to read the gospel from Matthew chapter 18?
0: And we were just in, what, 16 last week? So we're, we're close by.
1: Yeah, we're moving ahead.
0: We're moving ahead. <laughs> That's good. We don't want to be moving backwards. Chapter 18, verses 15 to 20 from Matthew. Jesus said to his disciples, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have won over your brother. If he does not listen, take one or two others along with you, so that every fact may be established on the testimony of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell the church. If he refuses to listen even to the church, then treat him as you would a Gentile or a tax collector. Amen, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, Amen, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything for which they are to pray, it shall be granted to them by my heavenly Father. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the
1: midst of them. Okay, two real quick thoughts, just observations. The very first one is. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Yeah. Does that sound like a déjà vu?
0: We just heard this. We
1: heard this two weeks ago, specifically in the trans, tra- not transfiguration, but in the uh, what's called the profession of faith or the confession of faith by Peter. You are the Christ, the Son of the Living God, and then uh, you. Then Jesus said, "You are rocking on on this rock. I'll build my church." Mm-hmm. Uh, And then goes on to say, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. We talked about that two weeks ago. They can go back and listen to that uh, as we discuss that then.
0: (laughs) But I think it's important to point out, I don't, nothing is really done by mistake in the way that Jesus decided to speak things or in the way that the gospel writer decided to record them. Correct. So, So... it's obviously an important point that's trying to be it's, driven. Yeah,
1: the doubling up is definitely uh, like highlighting. They didn't have highlighters in those days, so they, they would say it again. But yeah. it it's also uh, broader. So it's no longer just about Peter or the leadership people. It's about the church itself. Hmm. The second thing I want to uh, say as an observation is it goes from the corrective part, if your brother sins against you, to the bottom part, which is very um positive wherever you gather together in prayer and in fact it's almost a definition of the church for where two or three are gathered together in my name there am i in the midst of them
0: and we hear people say that all the time you know when there's only a couple people for mass somebody will say yeah wherever two or three are gathered yeah you
1: know yeah so so we really have this whole first part is a reflection of what Ezekiel was saying is we are accountable, not just to God, but accountable to each other, responsible to each other, Mm -hmm. responsible for each other. I, I love the fact that it's not an individualistic faith. It's not just like, I don't care how well you do. As long as I get to heaven, it says, no, it doesn't work well. (laughs) We're in this together. Yeah. Where's the line though? I mean,
0: Again, as I said earlier, people can use this as an excuse just to share whatever their thoughts or opinions may be with anyone that will listen to them. Well, so, so where's the line of like Christian accountability and the line of egocentric
1: word vomiting? Wow, word vomiting! Yeah, what a phrase! You're welcome. Uh, you just destroyed my breakfast. Okay, <laughs> uh, I th- I think what I want to talk about is the motive behind it. Okay. You know, is it truly being done out of charity? Is it truly being done for the the common good? You know, if I need to correct you, am I correcting you or am I just getting something off my chest? Sure. Am I, many people have the, the notion, what I call the hit and run. Hit and run. So I tell you how lousy you are and then I'm not around to help pick up the pieces I because I, I have gone elsewhere. You know, did this... Uh, conducting professors say you know not just about your clothing but did he or she say anything about uh how how you conducted a piece that day i don't
0: think so but i ended up passing the class so overall yes yeah but it wasn't on but the- you
1: obviously also learned a lesson yeah wash your clothes <laughs>
0: yeah <laughs> um I think that's great. Yeah. What is the motivation? I I think the sensitivity I feel, and in some ways this is what father Jeff was alluding to in his homily last weekend was, you know, we hide behind the mask of our phones and our computer screens and it's no longer me trying to have a face to face conversation with somebody. It's, it's the world just wanting to tell people what's on their mind hidden behind a screen with no, um, acknowledgement that there are people and feelings on the other end of it, you know? So I I think it's only been magnified. I would love to hear, you know, you always talk about, you're going to write your book about what happens. Yeah. The the rest of the story. The rest of the story. I would love to, to see how Jesus would guide us in the digital age, you know, instead of our, our spoken accountability to one, one another. Uh, I feel like Jesus would just say, put down your phones. You're on a phone timeout. You're in the penalty box. And go do something with your family, <laughs> you know, um, because I, I think it's only magnified in the in the way that we communicate
1: these days, for better or for worse. It's, I there's no question that we have not caught up with the technology. There's new technology, and it comes fast. So even if we've caught out, caught up with how to use it, yeah, we have not caught up with. Uh, why we should use it the way we use it.
0: Bishop Barron, who's very present on social media, present, did I say president? He's very present on social media, talks a lot about he, whenever he's responding to a comment, because he'll he, they post lots of things about different topics of faith, and of course there's always negative comments about anything that you post. Um, but he always, whenever he's responding to somebody, he always starts with the word friend. And he says that he does that for himself, to remind himself, I'm talking to another person, not just a, a picture.
1: That, that is a good... You ask how we can keep from just hitting people over the head and say, I'm, I'm involved in fraternal correction. Part of it is that we also realize, not just the feelings of the other person, but we also realize the, the, the value of that person in my life. Yeah, I, I cannot afford to go through life uh, leaving bodies in my wake, you know, um, former friends. Sure, I, I. It's kind of sad to say, but I remember a couple, and I, I befriended them, or they befriended me, and sometimes they would say very negative things about religion. I don't know if it was a testing me or not, but then they also complained that none of their friends were in their circle anymore, mm-hmm. and I. I wondered, and some of the former friends I knew were very, very good people. It just, did they wear them out? Did they test them so much that people chose not to continue to relate? Sure. Did they raise the bar so high that nobody could live up to it?
0: It, This whole scenario reminds me of uh, the TV show, it's not done anymore, but How I Met Your Mother. Uh, And whenever the friends had a thing that they needed to address that they didn't like that another person was doing, Or they thought that maybe um, another person was harming themselves in some way, they would have an intervention. And it kind of became this cliche thing on the show where they had this special intervention banner that they would hang up in the apartment. And then they would all be standing in the apartment. And then the person that they were intervening uh, for or with would come into the apartment and they'd all be standing there. And they said, You know, we're having an intervention right now. (laughs) And it just became this thing. And it's actually become kind of like a pop culture reference like, Uh oh, we're having an intervention. Intervention. I think though, in some ways, the answer to what we were talking about and, and you mentioned it is in the second reading this week from Romans that it, it's all kind of wrapped up there in the very last part, because here St. Paul says, and whatever, um, the other commandment may be, all is summed up in this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no evil to the neighbor. Hence love is the fulfillment of the law. So if everything that we can do is in charity and love of the other person and not in a condescending um, way to lift yourself up and put them
1: down, I think that's how you keep this in check. That goes back to the hit and run type thing. We have to be there to take responsibility. You know, if my brother or sister is doing something that's truly hurtful to the community or to themselves. I need to take responsibility and see it as if it's my own issue and therefore help them see it through as as far as reasonably possible. You know, of course, there's sometimes I cannot do it, but you have to uh, help them walk the journey. And not
0: to be impulsive about it, but to pray through it and asking the Holy Spirit to guide you through it, to guide you for the words, to guide you for... The correct circumstance to guide you for the wisdom uh, to know how and when to be able to do it Uh, it's almost like you know you get an email and you want to you know write back a draft real quick that's probably something that you shouldn't send if it's something that aggravates you Um, but you stop for a second you put it in your drafts folder you come back to it later because i think we need time to process uh, and pray and let god do the leading and not just our own
1: egos yeah. If people send me notes and I don't answer them right away, that's obviously what's happening. <laughs>
0: well, you got a backlog of emails from me. I, I, now I know what's going on. All right, friends, what a joy to always be with you on the podcast. That was longer than 10 minutes and 55 seconds, but we'll never go over 23 minutes. God bless you.